last week. Well, this week we begin a series called We Church, Not Me Church. We want to talk about the power of community, the power that, that I, th- I think many times more can be accomplished together than as individuals, and especially when it comes to the church. And so for the next few weeks, I want to look at five, what I call points of mission, okay? Five points of mission that we as a church have. Let's just, you know, talk about it as you came in. Hopefully you noticed, or maybe you've noticed it so much, it's just become part of the background. But on our wall in the foyer, you see this phrase, reaching people, building lives. And that's based off the Great Commission that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 28, where he, he charged his disciples, said, hey, go and make disciples, teaching them my ways, teaching them how to, how to be empowered and stay in step with the Spirit. That's, that's what we call vision. But as a pastor, every once in a while, you can't just like look at a vision and be like, thank you, Jesus, for making it happen. Amen. No, you, you, you've got to have... You've gotta have some focus, right? We, we talk about vision, reaching people, building lives. But then we also talk about mission. There's a mission. That's how that vision is worked out. And so today I begin with, with our first or one of our points of mission. They're not in, you know, order of, well, this is the best and then we just kind of whittle it down. No, all of them are equally as important as I believe you'll find out. In fact, we could bring those five points of mission up and you'll get a bit of a sense of direction maybe for the remainder of this month. But five points of mission. Today we're going to talk about fellowship. There's discipleship. There's worship. There's ministry. And there's evangelism. Those are, those are how our vision is, is worked out. That's, that's how it's accomplished. And what's nice, Jesus actually never gave, you know, a, a complete blueprint for the church. He gave the Gospels. He gave letters from the early church. And He said, here's my Holy Spirit, the best gift in the world. And it's going to, He is going to empower you to do the works of ministry and to make a a difference. And so that's what's beautiful about the church globally. Church globally is, 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 it's so different. You know, America church is not the only church in the world, right? No, no. In fact, according to some different timelines for the last 23 hours or so, millions across the entire globe have been singing what a beautiful name it is, declaring the goodness of God, declaring Jesus as Savior. But in these few weeks, I want to I talk about, I want to look at our five points of mission. And so today, I want to talk about this word fellowship. And I have framed it, today's message is it's on fellowship, but I framed it with a word, a phrase for those of you who've been coming for a season, you're familiar with it. And it's the phrase better together. Simple phrase, but I'm going to unpack a little bit of why that is so important to us. And, and let me just, let me, can I give some introverts a shout out? Uh, y'all hear the phrase, better together, and uh, you want to hide under your chair, okay? Uh, I, I, I know what that means, you know? The extroverts are all like, amen, pastor, amen. And the introverts are all like, uh, better off dead? You know, I, I, you know. the truth is we're, we, are, we are better together as a church. And as individuals, forming a community to make a difference in the world around us. So Acts 
chapter 2, 42 through 47. Love the beginning of the book of Acts. You see the, the kickoff of the church and, and the coming of the promised one, the Holy Spirit. And then in the end of Acts, you've got a couple verses that really describe, they're not, they're not even casting vision. You've got a doctor named Luke who wrote a follow-up letter to the Gospel of Luke in a book called Acts. And it describes really in some ways the life of the early church. And you'll see these five points of mission for us in these verses. Verse 42, it says this, They, being the early followers of Jesus, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, there's that word, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions, excuse me, to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Probably find all across this room, if we were to stand back and read that verse as individuals, there's significant moments just in those verses that, that are loudest to you. They kind of jump out the most to you. Maybe it's the end, verse 47, how the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. That, that evangelism uh, quotient, you know, it's a, it's a vital piece of mission to the church. But today we talk about fellowship. And I wanna, want you to think with me for a moment. Just as we were reading, I noticed this. The word devoted. You ever thought about that word Devoted. I grew up, we still say it in my home every night. I, I tell our oldest daughter, I say, hey, it's time to go do your Devo. We call it devotion. I, I wanted to have a moment with the Lord. Sometimes I jump in and encourage her and, you know, share all my biblical wisdom and far too much information with her. She's like, Dad, I'll just take care of myself. You know, this is not a better together moment, Dad. I'm going to go have my own Devo. But devoted, it's a sense of commitment. It's a sense of intentionality. It's a sense of, hey, I'm not just swinging. I'm not just going by the tide. I'm not just, you know, taking it easy, lying on an inflatable tube, going in the lazy river of faith. No, the early church was what? Devoted, but here's what's remarkable, to fellowship. That's interesting. I get devoted to discipleship. I get devoted to ministry. I'm a pastor, for goodness sake. I get devoted to evangelism, right? I get devoted to worship, but fellowship? Come on, take it or leave it, right? Take it or leave it. We, we, we could go to the bookstore or get online and order the, theological books or biblical books and study and learn and grow, and predominantly they're going to deal with the last four. But fellowship, if you've been in church and community, you realize how important it is to the functioning of all the other missions that are available to us. Fellowship requires community. Fellowship requires navigating relationships. Fellowship requires the urgency on unity 
recognizing the devastation of discord. At our membership meal, Kelly and I have the privilege of not only enjoying a nice steak dinner, but we have the greatest privilege of getting to hear people's testimony and how they came to life in Christ. But then we've added another question. Well, how did you hear about Hillside? And inevitably, they just talk about the sign out the front. They talk about the website. They talk about a friend. Some of them blame you for being at Hillside, you know. But inevitably, it leads to, we just, we felt really welcome when we came. And I love that. Nothing excites me and encourages me more than, than hearing that. And that quotient is what I would call fellowship. It's recognizing that all of us are in need of relationship. Introvert, extrovert, I don't care what Enneagram number, one through a million, whatever you find yourself as personality-wise, community is still vitally important to the life of the church. Amen? And so today I want to I highlight this, this phrase, better together. It means a few things. We're better together than we are apart. It means we have people in our life to lift us up, to challenge us, to stretch us, but also to strengthen us. It means we're open to being encouraged, challenged, sharpened, taught, led, strengthened, and here it is, profoundly impacted by others. We willingly, that's the key word, we willingly live within community. I love using this phrase. This is a phrase my, my pastor used, used and still uses. Someone knows you. We like that, right? Yeah. Well, extroverts do. Okay. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We, we, we like that. Somebody knows you, a place that, that can be safe for you to maybe confess some things you're walking through to be held accountable. But then I also love this. And someone knows you. Yeah. They just come alongside and say, hey, I know this, this may sound like fun, but according to Scripture, it leads to death. So don't do it. You know, you need people. You don't always need a pastor coming knocking on your door. You know, hey, saw you on social media. Can we have a talk? And, you know, it's obvious you're, you're walking through some things. You know, you, know, you don't need that, but you need relational community. Somebody can know you, but also know you. Just come alongside and and encourage you and lovingly challenge you. We, as a church, we intentionally attempt. I don't want to say we always knock it out of the park, but we attempt to create experiences to foster relationships and cultivate friendships. We have small groups, sign-ups today, still ongoing. Many groups kick off this week. It's not too late to dive into a small group. we got events we have, pre-service. Some of you get here way early. Some of you stay way Late. We love it. Pre-service, post-service, what is that? Sometimes, oftentimes, there's some fellowship that's taking place that, I say this often, there's more in that many times than even the message. There's a point of connection. There's an encouragement. There's a story somebody shares with you where you share with somebody else, and they're like, that's just what I needed to hear about this thing I'm praying about. You know, it's remarkable how the Lord does it. And, of course, with our ministry teams, many times there's a sense of camaraderie and community that comes through that. And so I, I, I want to encourage you, you can get connected. You can be connected. It requires maybe wiggling around some things on our schedule, wiggling around some things in our heart, 
But I'm going to tell you, it's so pivotal for us as followers of Christ to lean in to fellowship. I've shared, I don't share this all the time, but I've shared back when planet Earth was big news. You remember that, planet Earth? For those of you unfamiliar, I think it's called planet Earth. Oprah helped make it famous. It was by the BBC, and it was some of the first drone footage of the entire globe. And so they would do time-lapse videos and, you know, look at all these different areas and environments across the globe. Now you know what I'm into. How about you? All right. <laughs> it was great to watch before going to bed. All right. But I remember watching over the plains of Africa a hunt. Come on, how many knew? There's nothing like flipping through the channel and a good hunt's on TV. you just like, you know, I think we found what we need to watch while we're eating dinner. Well, the, hunt, the hunt's taking place, and it was a, a pack of, uh, 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 you wouldn't call them wolves. They're just kind of like desert dogs, really, almost like hyenas, okay? And they're attacking some gazelles. Well, the whole group of gazelles is just running across. <laughs> you know, they just... They don't know how to, well, they do run pretty gracefully. You know, I'm like, oh my God. They're just, you know, springing. They're like these little bounces, you know, like Bambi. They're going, they're going. And then you see, okay, you know, the British, he's like, oh, and notice across the plains, the large ravine that they now have to cross. And we're like, oh, well, okay, I'm going to put my food down. Let me zone in. You see these gazelles going across. And then, then you noticed there's a mother with her young you're thinking, oh no, oh no, let's flip the channel. But you remain focused and they go in and all of a sudden, the pack of dogs are no longer going after the huge group. But all of a sudden, one of them started lagging behind. One of them started making decisions to get farther and farther away. They, they didn't want to intentionally leave the group, but some of the obstacles of life just started happening. So what happened? The little gazelle is over here left to the side. And you know, if you've ever watched one of these, the whole, all, you, got, you got four of the desert dogs going after the community. And you got this one guy like, oh, I'm going to chase him down. And then all of a sudden he's like, hey guys, come on. And you see all of the four, they all go after the one who's what? Isolated. Isolated. Yes, the Holy Spirit can speak to you through planet Earth videos, okay? I remember the Lord showing me, and I said, Paul, that is so often the greatest danger to the bride of Christ in these days. Isolation. And we all have all sorts of reasons to be isolated. I'm encouraging you to do whatever you can to devote yourself to fellowship it doesn't take long for those of us who have devoted ourselves to fellowship it doesn't take long to move from better together some of the honeymoon phase of church life to better off alone you've perhaps experienced this challenge you may be experiencing this challenge right now but there's the get offended test. You ever had that? The get defensive test. The get 
misinterpreted just about every week. Test. Or how about this? You have an off day. You were driving to church in a good mood. You did not know you were going to arrive at the doors grumpy. Right? You have an off day. Someone else has an off day. (laughs) And then my favorite spiritual word, impatient. Not the fruit of the Spirit. (laughs) Impatient. Have you ever faced one of these challenges in community? Better together, almost all of a sudden, it's a challenge to be better off alone. Jesus speaks into the scenario. And with the remaining minutes, just a few minutes, I want to unpack something that Jesus says. This is what sustains fellowship in the life of the church. Jesus gave a remarkable, remarkable teaching. It's not long. In fact, it's very short. And it's found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. Well, in Matthew 5, verses 23 and 24, two short verses, Jesus radically revolutionizes the Jewish concept at the time, the Jewish concept of religion. You've probably heard this verse too. He says, Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. You know, for us Christians, 2,000 years gone, we grew up, some of us, hearing that story. So it's nothing new. But to the Jewish audience, they were profoundly impacted and influenced. Because Jesus was doing it backwards to what the Pharisees and the religious leaders would say. They would say, no, 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 no. Hey, honey, hang tight. Go worship. Take your time. Buy some more cattle to be slaughtered. You know the whole gamut. Hang a little while. Oh, and yeah, if you think about it, then, you know, worship first and then go and get right. And Jesus says, no. That's where we've broken down. Jesus says, no, 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 no. There's a direct correlation between you and the Lord and you and others. The vertical relationship, the horizontal relationship. Or as I was about to say my friend, I've never met him, but as my my friend Pete Scazzaro with Emotionally Healthy Spirituality says, it's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. Y'all, that's good preaching. Y'all are way too quiet for how good that was. And Jesus challenges the religious order of the day. The religious order of the day said, no, 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 it's you and God. It's just you and God. Make it happen. And Jesus would also profoundly, when he was tested by an expert in the law, he said, listen, you can whittle it all down. You can, you can just, just get it all into two things. Love God and love others. It's remarkable. I've told you, you've heard me preach on this. What, what, what's the prayer? Search me, oh God. It's one of the most dangerous prayers you will ever say because God wants us living with, what's the word? Integrity. Integrity isn't just competency in your character. Integrity is like we get the term integer from. Integrity is to be a whole unit, not a fraction of yourself, but your whole self. 
And so listen, we walk and work through things together. Amen? It's how fellowship can be sustained. It's how we can remain warm and welcoming and, and le- I was about to say lovable. That's a little strange. And love others well. It's because we're willing to say, listen, no, we're not just, a, we're not just about what happens on this platform. We're not just about, okay, did the band hit all their cues? You know, the music, was it zoned in? Okay, is the pastor in his time frame and hitting all the points? No, 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 no. It's not about attempting to get us to God. It's far more than just a Sunday morning. It's, it's, it's relationships with others. And all the awkwardness, all the difficulty, but all the healing that comes when we abide in that space. And so Jesus brings forth a radical, radical shift about as radically fast as I'm going to move with the remaining couple minutes. <laughs> So I want to propose to you, this is, this is something I've, I, I kind of had to put it down. Um, I call it the, the, the hillside operating system. All right, some of you, you prefer a Macintosh operating system. All right. Some of you prefer a Microsoft operating system. Well, here, here's a little bit about our culture. This, this, this probably is more Pastor Paul's operating system. I don't want to project it on all of hillside, like, get in line. I just was thinking about it, I was prayerfully considering it, and you'd be amazed, the Lord always speaks, and He always speaks with one letter that can begin all three words. You're welcome for that, okay? So, the operating system is, here it is, you ready? Drum roll, please. Gossip, grace, goodness. Gossip, grace, goodness. We'll move quickly. I try to be a leader, keyword try, to be a leader who doesn't embrace gossip. Gossip can be defined as idle talk or rumor, especially about the personal or private affairs of others. The Lord <laughs> really had to deal with me in this area over the years. Um, it was one of the crucial key obstacles for me maturing in my relationship with Jesus and others. You know, as pastors, we, we, we can spiritualize things. Have you ever noticed that? Um, have you ever, ever entered a conversation and, uh, you know, hey, look, I just, look, here's the deal. I just wanted to let you know. Just wanted to make you aware. Uh, maybe y'all haven't, obviously y'all haven't done this, so I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here. But, you know, have you ever, I, I remember doing this, you ever been in a prayer group and say things like, you, look, look, here's the deal, guys. We really need to lift Josh up, okay. <laughs> we really need to lift so and so up. H- have, you t- well, have you talked to him? No, no, I don't, I don't want to talk to him. Just, just wanted to make us all aware so we can all be praying And listen, share your commentaries with me afterwards. Gossip's dangerous. Proverbs 18.21. The tongue has the power of life and death. If if discord is an end, gossip's what gets us there quickly. Amen? 
If, if disunity is a goal, well, by golly, gossip will get us there the fastest way possible. Practice healthy relationships. There's a reason in the spring we do freedom, small group, as part of our discipleship. There's also a reason in the fall, you can sign up today, I'm kidding. In our fall small groups, I lead us through emotionally healthy spirituality. Because listen, this affects this, it does. So I invite us, be aware, be aware, be aware. Gossip has idle talk or rumor, especially about the personal and private affairs of others. The Lord pulled me aside one time and he said, Paul, here's, here's what you're doing. He said, you're building a case against someone. And I was like, absolutely. What did you think I was doing? No, no, no. And he's like, Paul, 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 you're building a case against someone. And I'm a 1 Corinthians 13 father. I keep no record of wrongs. That's my flow. My flow is as far as the east is from the west. So far have, my sin, have your sins been removed from you. I realized I had to step into Christ-likeness. Didn't happen overnight. I mean, we're talking about 20 years ago. And then some. But it was an obstacle to my maturing in my relationship with Christ. He knew, man. And here's what's cool. You want to know something really cool? You don't have to just practice as a church. Believe it or not, you can actually take this into your workplace. <laughs> you know that coworker or boss you complain about a whole lot? Go talk to him. Just go talk to him. You know, tone down what you were going to tell a friend. Please. Refrain from foul language. Please. Get yourself in an emotionally healthy space. Calmly go bring it up to them. Secondly, grace. We don't want to define someone by their worst day or poor decision. That's what gossip does. Amen? Amen. You, you've had a bad day, yes? Yeah. Two people, right? You've had a bad day? Yeah. Yes. Aren't you grateful you weren't defined by that bad day? Yeah. yeah. Aren't you Grateful you're not, you know, the adjective before your name to everybody is not your poorest decision? Yeah, absolutely. We want to keep that here at the church. In fact, we're crazy enough to try to take it out into the goodness of the community that, that while a culture has never been so excited to bash the church, we're convinced the body of Christ is still the vessel God is using to reach the world. We're convinced of it. You won't hear us say anything like that. While social media and the culture, man, they cannot wait to do one more documentary. And let me say this. The church has given them a lot of material to make some big old documentaries. But despite all of that, we're all marked by grace. 
marked by the mercy of God. And so we want to we operate. We don't want to define someone by their worst day or poor decision. And that, for me, I cannot project this on you, but it's an area the Lord had to deal with in my own heart. He's, it was like, Paul, every person is in process. Amen? I'm like, amen, Lord. Yes, 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 yes. Then why are you defining them by their worst moment? Yeah. Y'all just getting it today. Imagine preparing this message throughout the week, somebody. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. Hear me, here's what I'm not saying. Act like nothing happened. Sweep stuff under the rug. Mm -mm. No. But before the temptation to gossip, why don't you go talk to Jesus about it? Get his heart for that person. Then when you go approach them, you're carrying his heart to that person. Amen? Y'all either listening or really hungry. Either way, I got one last thought. All right. Gossip, grace. And here's something. This is, if you're, if you're new to Hillside, we like to talk about God's goodness a lot. And this is the last G, goodness. We want to embrace the goodness of God and give and receive that goodness with others. Amen. Jesus came. Jesus came to redeem and restore us. Here's a beautiful thing. So you can flip from the crucifixion and all of the Gospels. You can flip all the way back to Genesis 1 and 2 in the Garden of Eden. It's a vision for the restoration of all things that Jesus is bringing in the book of Revelation. It's a new heaven and a new earth, fully restored. Here's what Genesis 1.31 says. God saw all that he made, and it was very good. So on your worst day, God's heart towards you. You were created in his image. We repent, we ask forgiveness, but here's what we can anticipate, an onslaught of God's goodness over our lives and in our lives. Dream with me for a minute. I know you're like, man, it's just a summertime Sunday. Take a moment and dream with me. Let's create the warmest church in the world. Amen. As we walk away from gossip towards grace and goodness. Let our words and actions show that we care for others. And want them to thrive and reach their full potential in Jesus. Let's be a church that promotes unity. Let's be people who continually open the door for others, inviting them to a meal, inviting them to your small group or somebody else's small group, inviting them to participate in life and community together. Let's be a church that's like the prodigal father, that somehow <laughs> we can have both older brothers, God love them, and younger brothers in the same room together. Because why? Because the Father's heart is abounding in His love for each of them. And let's not define people by their worst day 
or a poor decision. Let's lean in to fellowship. Because the next four areas we're going to talk about in the next four weeks, they're a little more practical, amen? They're a little more nuts and bolts, why we do what we do. But if I can be honest, if there's disunity in our lives, goodness, the vision can't move forward. The mission can't move forward. Think about any good sports team. Naturally, you're going to think about a soccer team. I understand that. 11 players, coaches have to have miracle working powers to get everybody on the same page in a bunch of different scenarios. But it happens. Can you imagine church operating? Here's what's crazy. We take this corporate love, corporate unity, corporate harmony, so to speak, and the love of Christ with what the Holy Spirit's doing, then we go to our workplaces and we just, somebody's, man, you know, they're just launching into a, a tirade of something. Here's what you do. You just listen. You just absorb it. And then maybe offer a kind word, an encouragement, counsel. Because here's what's going to happen. Before anybody can read the story of God, they want to read the story of you. The first thing we always share is our life. The first thing to... Break down a witness is our life. So let's lean in. As we meet with Jesus daily, like I know we are, like we read our word and pray and spend time in his presence, let's allow him to heal our hearts so that we can leave, leave our home, leave our apartment, go into work, go into our community around us and love them like Christ loved them. Amen?